three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Very nice to meet you for the first time. But um, mm-hmm. one question I always like to ask every guest is, who do you say you are? Who do I say I am? Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's tough. I mean, I say my name a lot on the show. People complain about it. In fact, they, they say I say it too much, but it is called the Jordan Harbinger Show. So I guess I can't really avoid it. You know, <sighs> It's it's a it's an open-ended question, right? Because it creates a an open sort of platform for the answer. I used to get really annoyed when I'd see someone's bio and it's like dad, podcaster. I'm like, no one cares if you're a dad. But then I realize now that I have my own kids. I'm like, well, that's how they see themselves first. So now I look at that. I still refuse to put that in my bio because it's cringe. Because nobody care again. Nobody cares about you being a dad most of the time. But I do look at myself now primarily as my kid's dad and then also this podcaster with the show. And I, I, it's a weird change because I really didn't expect that. I thought people that originally put things like that, like father, husband, and I was like, get your, get some, get something that you care about in your life, man. You're the same thing as everyone else. Why are you listing that? It's, it's like saying American. It's like, dude, we get it. You're, you know, Put something in there that people give a crap about. But now I realize, oh, this is like the most important thing in your life. Right. Duh. And that, that's a good point. I, I always like how you, um, how you share your perspective on things because it's, on the one hand, it, it, it can seem shallow depending on mm-hmm. how people present themselves. But on the other hand, it's like when you have an experience, it can always shift how you view things. and that that's one of the things I, I appreciate about you and, and my friend Theo, because every now and then we we've got uh, chances to have these conversations and really work on growth and personal development and things of that sort. And of course the episode that I remember from you was on that personal development, or I guess in a sense you'd say almost this um, hustle culture or hustle mm. porn. So it's like, um, it's, it's weird where you can, tow that that line and then you kind of wonder like okay where am i doing what it is that i really want to do and that's beneficial meaningful versus where am i just kind of going with the flow and like okay like just lost in the sauce yeah it's funny you should bring that up because right now somebody was like why don't you do tiktok you know you can promote your show there why don't you do social media ads Oh, in order to do ads and have them perform well, you need to do, do these selfie videos and then those get repurposed and they put on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And I'm like, for something that was supposed to be, hey, you can just run these ads here and it probably just costs some money. It sure sounds like I'm going to be doing a lot of work, you know, oh, you just had to do some videos, but you got to change them up. But then you got to do a bunch of versions to test which ones do the best. And I was just like, you know, if I get this 100% right, I get to do kind of the same thing I'm doing now, only I have less time to do the thing I like doing, and I have to do this other thing instead that sort of benefits what I'm doing now, but is sort of tangential to what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm not sold on any of this. 
not to mention to get certain things like that correct, you're fighting against these platforms algorithms that want to just kind of give you the bare minimum and squeeze money out of you. And I'm like, mm, I don't really know how I don't really know how important that is. Like uh, in other another example is somebody will say you should do live events or you should sell a product or you should do a coaching thing. And it's like, well, okay, so now I'm dedicating 10, 20, 30% of my time to doing something I kind of don't want to do to add this chunk of money to my income. But what am I going to do with that money? Use it to make more money by doing other things that I don't really like. So it kind of didn't make any sense to optimize for income because you use it to like, what, get more famous? Who cares? You know, and you realize that when you have kids too, like when I, before I had kids, I was like, yeah, you got to do this and this and this and hustle and this and income that. And now that I have kids, I'm like, nope, I'm going to optimize for time because I want to be done at 5.30 and play with my kids until they go to bed. I don't want to be like, oh, now I can't see my kids much today because I've got to record selfie videos for TikTok. And then I got a meeting with our marketing team to discuss our Pinterest strategy. It's like, no, I like reading books and talking to smart people on my podcast, on the Jordan Harbinger show. If I'm not doing that, maybe I'll be marketing in some other way that I like, you know, I buy ads on other people's podcasts. If you've maybe heard other shows that mention me, you know, I'll pay for that stuff because I'm supporting podcast creators, but I don't want to be making stuff that gets people to go from Instagram to my, po like, no, thank you. Just no, no, no. And, um, that was a lesson that was sort of hard won because you do get FOMO in life by looking at what other people are doing and, and seeing their success, which of course, a lot of it, a lot of that is BS too, right? Like, look how much money I'm making. Well, why are you selling a course on how to do TikTok ads instead of doing TikTok ads for yourself? Why are you selling a course on this? If I figure something out, I'm not going to sell a course on it. I'm going to use it to grow my business. The last thing I'm going to do is teach a thousand people how to do the same thing. That's makes no sense to me at all. You know, that's what trade secret is. So I'm just always so suspect of this and suspicious of this. And when now that I'm 42 and I've been in the game for like 15 plus years online, I'm like, a lot of this is smoke and mirrors. And I, I'm glad I didn't trade any time with my kids to figure that out. So that, does that mean like in a sense of when you're in the moment, you, you don't see it until you, you pass the moment and then you're finally able to reflect back and say, okay, well, that was dumb. Like, yeah. Probably. Yeah, probably. Like I look back now and I go, okay, why did I, let me find an example. I'll be like, why did I want to create, yeah, like an online course back in the day? Or why did I continue trying to do this business that I didn't like? Why did I work with people that I didn't like? And usually it's because you feel like, well, I've got, there's, it's a couple things like sunk cost fallacy. I've been doing it for 10 years. I should keep doing it because, you know, I, I don't, I'll never get those 10 years back or the sort of like it, I don't know what bias this is, but like the we're right around the corner sort of thing. Like, Oh, we're, what if I, if I give up now, this is probably still sunk cost, but like if we give up now, you know, all this other stuff has gone to waste and we could be right at the cusp of something else. And then you realize, you know, nah, not necessarily. We've, I've been saying that for a long time. You know, you start to track like how, how I've been saying that for a long time. Like this is going to happen. This is going to pop off. And then you start to see patterns in the way that the people you operate with are are working. Like in my case, I would see we'd be getting close to something. My business partner would sabotage it. And then I'd be like, what the hell? And then I think, well, that was a weird accident. He's just, you know, or like he's uneasy about this. But after like years of that, I realized, oh, this is a person who is 
subconsciously going to self-sabotage. But the problem is I work with him. So this self-sabotage is you're actually just sabotaging me now. Mm-hmm. And it, I, then I, and, and before I realized that I was like, why does this person keep sabotaging me? And then I realized, oh, he's sabotaging me and he's sabotaging himself. And then I started to realize, I don't even know if this person's thinking about me. They might literally only be thinking about sabotaging themselves. And then it was like, why am I trying to save this drowning person who keeps punching me in the face? You know, it's like at some point I'm just going to let you go. And so when I split off from my previous business partners, it was really scary. But now looking at my business, I'm like, why didn't I leave earlier? Holy smokes, I should have left four years earlier. Now everything worked out great. And who's to say if I'd left four years earlier, maybe I wouldn't have been able to make it something, something, you know, could have been more stressful. Who knows? But yeah, usually you kind of pass that point. You miss the turn and then you go, oh, wait a minute. It's back there is when I should have left. Oh, well, and you, you know, you turn around and go back. So, yeah, you 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 do spend a lot of time with wrong turns. I, you, ideally, you minimize that by using experience to learn. Like a friend of mine the other day, I, I released an episode about uh, why people can't pay attention and with Johan Hari and a friend of mine who's a big YouTuber he texted me and he's like, this episode changed my life. And I'm like, really? That's funny because it's not like new, new stuff. It's like, yeah, your attention span sucks. Here's why it's social media. Your phone's addictive, et cetera. Well, he's like, I am the guy that sits there with my kids and like is playing with my phone and then thinking I'm playing with my kids, but my kid's trying to show me something, but I'm holding my phone. And he's like, it made me want to cry hearing that. So he's, you know, he puts his phone down. He locks his phone in this like plastic container and that he bought online and he's like, now I just play with my kids and I don't listen on your phone. And the, the the key is to catch yourself before the kids are 12 and they're like, dad just plays with his phone. I don't try to talk to him or engage with him. He just plays with his phone. You know, catch yourself when they're two or one and you're doing this. You know, it's you can't really beat yourself up about the past. It's not super healthy, but you can use it to learn. And so in these types of cases, whether it's you should have taken a different turn in your business or you should be building a habit or getting rid of a habit it's helpful to pay closer attention and you're right. Yeah. You do kind of overshoot things or get FOMO or whatever it is until you really sort of realize exactly what side street you should have gone down, so to speak. But can you really have FOMO when you've had like amazing guests on your shows? Like, you know, from, from Admiral McGraven to like, like the, the, the baddest dudes in the world, like they've all been on your show. Right. And yeah, you can look back and say, well, Okay, well, that turned out great, but I think I, I remember that transition that you were making, and I remember how it was like you you retained a lot of your guests, and they came back and being so gracious and grateful to come back. And I'm like, wow, okay, they followed a person. It wasn't necessarily the brand, or, or it was more so the person they totally to. So I, I thought that was I thought it was important as well, just to see that that happen. Like, yeah. You know, that's an interesting point. So before I left my old company, I was like, "Uh oh, I'm going to lose my identity because I'm leaving my old business. And the business was so tied to my identity and brand. Um, and the brand was tied to my brand or my personal identity, whatever you want to call it. And so then when I left, I thought about leaving. I was like, who will I actually be if I am no longer this person of this company? And then you think, oh, what if these relationships only cared about the show that they were on, what the show could do for their their book sales, et cetera. And there were some people like that, but really they were, the, the truth is, like you said, yeah, when I left, I didn't have any problem getting those same people back on my new show. I didn't have any problem retaining audience or converting the old audience to my current audience. 
I didn't have any problem getting advertisers to believe in my new venture. I didn't have any problem getting a network to sign me to a contract for my new venture. It was like almost overnight and I w did not see that coming now. And that was my nightmare was like, if I have to start over, I have to start over with everything. I have to rebuild my brand, which means rebuilding my identity, which means rebuilding my show. Like, how am I going to do this? Not really. My relationships withstood all of that stuff. And what's funny is the previous company has, has, they didn't see that coming. They thought Jordan screwed and we're going to take all those relationships because people are going to do what's best for them. And that didn't really work for them either. You know, I really thought everyone's going to stay with them. No one's going to come with me because it's, it's going to be, what, can, what have you done for me lately? And I have to start over, but it wasn't like that at all. It was this guy did a show. We love, we're going to follow him. This guy has a show. We love to sponsor. We're going to follow him. This guy was a podcaster on our network that did good for us. We're going to start over with him and bet on him. And, you know, if I'd known that was going to happen, I would have left a lot earlier, but you don't know that it's going to happen and you, you're scared to do it. And I was, so in a way I look back now and it's kind of funny because I didn't leave my old company that willingly. I wanted to split from them and we had an amicable split and then they didn't honor it. And then they tried to sue me for leaving and then I countersued and it was a whole big mess. And then in the end they did not win, but you know, it wasn't something that I could, it, I don't think I would have had the balls to leave on my own. I think I had to be pushed out of the airplane. And then when they were, they pushed me out of the airplane and I think they were like, now he's going to come crawling back. And I was like, I don't know if I can say this on your show, but as I was falling out of the airplane, I was like, fuck y'all, you know, I was like, and then I started over, you know, pulled the parachute, started over and now they're on the plane and they're like, wait, this thing's out of fuel. And I'm like, oh, good thing I parachuted and landed safely, you know, in this field. And I see that plane and I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not on that thing anymore. But at the time it was really scary. You know, you don't know, you almost don't know you have a parachute. And then it's like, you rebuild, you pull the chute, rebuild your business. Now we're back on top. Um, we're one of the most popular Jordan Harbinger show. I just saw this ranking thing get released and we're like the number 14 most downloaded show in the world or something like that right now. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool for like four years of work. Right. I mean, that's, I didn't expect that ever to happen. And here we are. And it's because of the relationships that I built over time. It's not like I'm so special and talented. It's like, wow, all of these people that believed in me back when I was with my old company, they didn't just suddenly change their mind, which sounds normal now, but in the moment you're like, what if everybody just leaves me because I can't help them anymore, you know, or I can't do anything for them anymore. But it was like one person did that. One person said that to me and so some influencer guy that's like not a real friend, but everybody else was like, I had people who had million dollar, multi-million dollar businesses be like, you lost your business and you're starting a new show. I'm going to send this to my entire email list tomorrow and promote it. I'm like, that's pretty damn cool, man. Wow. Cause pr that would probably have cost me like $25,000 to, or more to mail out to your list. I don't have that kind of money. Y you know, at that time I was yeah. like that my income just got chopped to zero. So I was like, what am I going to do? And people really had my back. And that was like a lesson that I kind of had to learn by going through the fire. Wow. It's like the whole dig, but like, like that saying that they say, dig the well before you get thirsty type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, exactly. Like he yeah, exactly. literally lives it. And that's, and I think that's what's so unique about just having a network of, you know, of people that you can always reach out to is that they, they see your worth and they help you keep your worth along the way. And I think that's, that's, that's always incredible as well.
It's true. Yeah, dig the, dig the well before you're thirsty. The thing is, like, when I'm saying that at the time, I was like, well, I'm, I hope I'm never thirsty. But that's the thing. You think, I hope I'm never thirsty. But then when you get thirsty, you're like, thank God I dug this well by ma- get, making these relationships before I needed them. The problem is people usually go, I'm never going to be thirsty. This is rock solid. I'm doing great where I'm at. I don't really need anything. Uh, I don't need to do this. And so I get emails like every month that go, okay, I know you say dig the well before you get thirsty. What hap- What do you tell someone that didn't do that and is out now and is super thirsty? I just got laid off. And I'm like, ooh, you got to start at the beginning of the thing. And they're like, no, no, no. But like, I didn't do that earlier. What's the shortcut to the thing now? And I'm like, you go back and you start the process you should have started three years ago when you first found out about this. And then... Yeah, you probably have to. You probably have a long recovery, man, because you didn't build the runway, and you're you're trying to t- you're trying to get the plane off again. Like you got to build the airport now. That's going to take you a minute. And they're like, so what? But like, well, what do you do in an emergency? And I'm like, you start over. Like that's what you do, <laughs> you know. And there's no shortcut, and it's kind of a depressing email to send because it's like there's no joy in me being like I told you so, but because that person's in dire straits right then. But the truth is there, if there was a freaking shortcut to dig the well before you get thirsty, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be the slogan for the course that I give away. Right there. It, the, the slogan would be, don't bother digging the well before you get thirsty because I have a quick trick that makes it so you don't need to. And I'd come up with a clever way to say that. No, there's no shortcut to this. Like this is it's like an insurance policy, but that you can't buy with money. You got to earn it by building and maintaining relationships over time and building a brand and maintaining it over time and being trustworthy and coming through for people. Like there's no way to just supplant that with a magical saying or intense short-term effort. It's not how it works. And hustle culture has literally ruined it to where it's like, yeah, hey, look at my, my Lamborghini. I just borrowed. Um, right. The guy is probably like not even anywhere close. And it's like, okay, let me just take a picture with this real quick. But Sure. It, it, I think that that truly has ruined the ability to think for yourself and the ability to really create bonds and, and create true relationships and create true partnerships. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it's like, I hate hustle just so bad. But yeah, 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 I appreciate that. I mean, it's ruined a lot of young people, especially because they look at that stuff and young people are like, oh, what am I doing wrong with this 28 year old guy? has this thing that I don't think I could ever afford. And the truth is, it's just they're lying most of the time. Um, There's some people that are scammers that make money short term. There's some people that I'm sure are doing well, but usually those are not. I've never met the guy in the Instagram ad who's actually doing well. The guy in the Instagram ad is a poser or a fraudster uh, or is short term doing something right. And then you two years on, you never hear that person's name again. You never see them anywhere. They're gone. You know, CoffeeZilla or somebody on YouTube makes a video about them and they evaporate instantly because their market is toast. And you just don't see that. When I meet successful people, they are pretty much never online bragging about how successful they are. That's not how they've made their money. It's not how they're going to continue to make their money with very few exceptions. Very few. And uh, people, after I say that when on a show, people always go, but what about this guy? And I'm like, no, that guy especially is full of crap. Like, well, how do you know? You know, it's like, well, 
uh, I've seen this guy's tax returns or like I've heard from this person's friends that this is all you know, smoke and mirrors or I know this person's former executive assistant and he's got, you know, two million dollars in IRS debt that he's getting sued for. Like n- most of this stuff is not as it seems. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. I, just, I just wound up funny. <laughs> yeah. No, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is funny, but it's also, it sucks because it makes people who are doing the right things and working hard feel like crap, like they are missing a piece. And mm-hmm. I see that all the time, like 28 year olds that have graduated from school and they're like, I got a great job, but I see people online that are like doing these vacations and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I'm like, that, that person is broke as shit. That guy has no money. This person is living off of their dad or their credit card or whatever, and they're someplace saying, I just travel around the world trading, day trading, and look, I'm in Ibiza. It's like, no, you're not, dude. You're in Ibiza. You're not day trading. You don't have a software platform. This is bullshit. But you, their their whole job is and all their energy is directed towards making other people feel bad. And I hate it because I've seen it behind the scenes, and those guys are like, they're not relaxing all the time they're hustling and lying and working on stupid stuff that just generates net negative stuff like making people feel bad so they give them money it's just like i hate everything about it yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty telling i i think um a lot of what you you talk about just brings me back to thinking on principles and things that are like staples that have stood the test of time being like okay the character that you have, the relationships that you build, that's what builds your reputation. That's eventually what you leave behind. That's what, how people mm-hmm. remember you. And it's like a lot of the quick short-term things that come with media or just the thing that's like, this is getting your attention. A lot of those things are fleeting. And sometimes it it takes someone like you, someone like a Jordan Peterson, like other people that are out there being like- other hey, Jordans. Yeah, other Jordans. Jordans of all varieties. Right, yes. right. <laughs> but it's like, I, I appreciate the messaging because it's like, it's not about selling someone something, but it's like, hey, here are the experiences that I've had or here's what I've learned. And hopefully it helps you like take it and use it if you want, but you have to be willing to do the work. Like if you're looking for a shortcut, if you're looking for a, a uh, simple method, I don't have it for you. But it's mm-hmm. like just that the honesty, the transparency behind that. I I really appreciate that. And that's that's one of the main things I connected with. But not not to keep you long. I was just gonna ask you one last question. But if sure. you have the time, um, yeah, man. I'm more than willing to to let you go because I, I feel that people should follow your podcast and follow, not just follow, but actually listen and apply what works for them because it's understanding that life is very different for people and just being able to appreciate what you have because to to the point that you made about looking at other people and and envying what somebody else has versus not recognizing what it is that you have i felt that for a while but then being where i'm at now and working like a 40 hour week and just being content with that to be like hey i'm, I'm getting paid to literally play in the dirt at times it's like, no, that's, that's pretty fun. And I can actually think about building a family from this. And, and, but I, I had to kind of go through the mess and be like, okay, I took a wrong turn. Like I need to focus on myself, start a hobby or start something that I can enjoy and interact with other people. So mm-hmm. I don't the, know what your story is, but if you play in the dirt, 
that's yeah. probably pretty good for you. But I like that you have this to balance it out because maybe not everybody, maybe you get lonely in the dirt. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I guess it does get pretty, you know, <laughs> it does get pretty lonely. Gotcha. <laughs> I was gonna say I won't go long into it, but just to, to give you a short background, I I graduated with um, in civil engineering, so it's like I spent a lot of time working with construction, and now yeah. doing geotech, basically soils. You go out there and you explore the soil, do a little bit of digging, and you classify to say, hey, this is what we've got. And huh. part of the reason for starting this was the quality of people that I kept meeting doing like technical jobs, trades, farmers, and things like that. There are a lot of the people that make the world turn and you wouldn't recognize that unless you took a minute to like acknowledge somebody like, of course, everybody's busy and we we go here, we go there. Like we've got things to do, like everybody's kind of tunnel vision in their own thing. But like when you learn to appreciate someone like a janitor and you see that, oh, like this person isn't just a janitor. This is a dad. This is someone that's raising their mm-hmm. kids to go to like an Ivy League school. They're like, hey, I couldn't do it. But like. They brag on their kids like this kid's super smart. Like you would never yeah. see them online or on social media or anything like that. Maybe you see them get cleaned up for like one family picture, but like those yeah. guys seem to have the best kind of fun where they're just out there. It's a hard job. It's messy, but they find the fun in it. Like they joke and you you kind of get weeded out of it. If you can't take the joke, if you think you're so smart and things like that, but that's that's mainly the background on me, just being able to kind of come through the, those ranks and going to school with other people that are, um, how would you say, like the, the top of the class, they know everything. And then they're just like, oh, I was out here hanging out with the AC on and I'm over here like, oh, wow, you made 15 bucks or I'm making 10. And, and like you start doing that like comparison fear of missing mm. out. And it's like, am I stupid? Like, am I just not getting the A's like them? Like, am I not going to make it? Like what, what is like, everybody's like trying to stack up like, Oh, I've got to make it. I've got to get there wherever there is. But then yeah, coming out on the end of that and even seeing someone with your background being a lawyer and being like, Hey, there's, there's another way. Like there's a, there's a shift you make, but it's like, you shouldn't feel bad about the experiences you go through even when you go through them, of course, like you don't like pain, isn't something everyone wants to run through, but like being able to come out of something, have a story that you can share with other people and also encourage and inspire them. I think that that's pretty. Yeah. I was thinking about this today. I was like, I don't know if you guys do this. You think about something that happened 20 years ago and you're like, Oh, why did I do that? Oh, so cringe, man. I hope nobody remembers that. But then I look back and, and, and no, I still do that all the time. Don't get me wrong. But I still am. I'm like, you know, if I didn't do that, if I wasn't this person back then, if I didn't embarrass myself that way or f- screw up this opportunity or whatever, I wouldn't be able to help people who are in that similar situation, which I never thought I would be doing. But since people write to me for our Feedback Friday episodes every Friday for asking for advice and, and, and things like that. I can identify with so many situations because I'm like, oh, I've done that. Oh, I've done that. Oh, I've done that. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have a wide variety of good and bad experiences. So I really look at some of my bad experiences and I'm like, wow, this puts me in a very unique position to really identify with the person who's writing in and help this person. And so in a way, all of that like stupid shit I did as a kid kind of like makes me good at my job now, which is 
shocking and a real gift because usually you look back at something you did and cringe and you go, there was no benefit to that and I hope nobody remembers it and I don't even want to remember it. And I'm like, oh yeah, remember with that time when I did that really horrible, stupid thing and everybody like hated me for a while and da da da. I'm like, that applies directly to this person right now and I'm going to tell 300, 400, whatever thousand people about it on my show and just not have any shame attached to it because I'm using it to help someone. And it's like, that's a pretty good gift. It's almost a way to look back at something and go, that was so dumb. And now I'm going to turn it into something that's really helpful for a lot of people. Normal. And most people don't get to do that. So I look at things like that and I'm, I, I look for opportunities like that in my life where I'm like, where's this thing that I messed up and how can I help other people avoid that? You know? And, and, and if you, even if you just do it for your own kids, primo, right? Like the guy who, you mentioned the janitor. I admire people like that so much because they don't have glory coming to them on Instagram. They don't have validation coming to them on social media anywhere. They are doing something that they probably, if they didn't have any kids, for example, they could do it like 20 hours a week. They could do some part-time job. They could live a very similar lifestyle. No, they work 50, 60 hours a week. They take overtime where they can. They take summer jobs or whatever it is if they're, you know, able to do that because they want to send their kids and they're living for their kids to do better than them, which is really like, I don't do that really. I mean, I do that for my kids, but I know that they can, but I'm not doing something I don't necessarily like so that they can have a great life. I'm living a great life and I'm going to encourage them to do the same, but I, I don't, I'm not really sacrificing that much. Those people are sacrificing a lot to do that. They, in fact, when you're talking about immigrants and stuff, they could have just not had kids. They could have stayed where they were, maybe gotten a different job, chilled out, had worked four days a week, not worked at all. What do I know? But instead, they come to the states. They work as a janitor in an elementary school. People treat them like crap, and they're like, "Whatever, my kid's going to go to Michigan, so it's worth it." You know, my kids are going to grow up, and go to school. They're they're American citizens. This was all worth it. And that to me is like, I really have to give props to people like that because that just makes my life look so easy and feel so easy. I don't have financial stress, you know, or anything. Yeah. I love that. Cause you just literally spoke to both of our lives. <laughs> but anyway, that's more here or there. Uh, <laughs> Cause that's literally like, 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 like both immigrants. And so like, just like being able to hear that, like, okay, I, I, I guess our parents weren't so bad. <laughs> no. Yeah. I look at immigrant parents and I'm like, dang, y'all are it, people when I see immigrants who came to the United States and made, made it to like middle class, I'm like, that shit must have been so hard to do. So hard to do. Leaving like my, my wife's parents, leaving Taiwan, you don't really speak English, come to the United States, work for some company, start a business, whatever it is, open up a restaurant. That is hard. The easiest thing to do would have been like, eh, I'm just going to stay here, whatever be a teacher at an elementary school in Taiwan, no big deal, you know? And, and my wife says this all the time. She's like, I look now at my parents now that we have kids and she looks back and she's like, man, my life would have been different. Cause there's people her age that stayed in Taiwan, like her cousins and stuff. And it's just like, it's a different existence by to say the least. And I, I don't know where your parents emigrated from, but I'm guessing somewhere that was also not the same socioeconomic standards as the United States. Yeah, right. And if you'd stayed there. It's completely different. And yeah. It's funny because I was talking to my mom the other day, and she reminded me that when we came to the States, I was eight, and she was she was 35. I just turned 37 today. And I'm looking at it, I was like, there's no way with three kids I would have been able to do that with not knowing English whatsoever. Would I have survived the same way? And I'm like, mm, no. 
no. And so, I, as I'm like, wow, yeah, kudos to my parents for. Yeah. Did you did you tell them that? Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. I, I did tell my mom that, and I said, "Mom, like, thank you. Like, I, I legitimately say thank you so much for 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 sticking it out, for for going back to school, for you know relearning and and unlearning and and just taking care of all of us because she was a breadwinner for a long time because she went back to school to be a nurse and she didn't know any English whatsoever and she she's a nurse now and I'm like wow yeah mom thank you so yeah I completely understand did she cry because I'm about to cry on your show <laughs> that's so sweet <laughs> she did not she did not she just made more more fun of me she's, she's like, a tough she's a tough lady yeah, she, yeah I mean tough, it's yeah. you think about that that is such a hard thing to do it's such a hard thing to do um, yeah, I think about right now, I look, I love international travel. Would I move to, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a change. Like, would I move to Sierra Leone for a better standard of living? If that was what was over there for me, bringing my kids there and being like, well, I don't really speak the language. I mean, I probably, I guess I do, but like, like <laughs> what if I didn't? Yeah, yeah. And then I got to learn it. No, I can do that. Oh, you're going to stick out cause you're a different color. It's fine. I'll figure it out. Well, you don't have any yeah, the same kind of skills they, they need over there. That's fine. I'm going to figure it out. Well, you have three kids, two, two kids. How are you going to do that? I don't know, but living here is bad. So I got to move like that's, that's gutsy. You know, you're going, you're stepping straight into the unknown with babies. Crazy. Big time. And where like we, so we're, we're from uh, Rwanda, Africa. And so like we became a oh. war, you know, cause of the whole genocide thing. And so she brought three kids to America cause my dad was still here and we're all like, okay, this is all new. And she's, you know, she's dealing with her own stuff, you know, with her own PTSD. She's dealing with three kids who are traumatized and she still makes it work. She still made it work. And I'm like, there is no way, absolutely no way at 35 for me, I would have been able to do that and still be sane. No. And still love people and still take care of people and still laugh. I'm like, there's no. Is the current president of Rwanda that's Paul Kagame, right? Correct. Or was that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he like what's that guy was supposed to come on my show, but I'm like, is he a bad dude or a good dude? I don't even know. I have to do my uh, prep, it, but I'm like, that's a controversial. What side of the fence you're on? That's what I think. I'm like, mm, <laughs> this could be more controversial than I thought. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like having here. putting on your show a little bit. It's 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 it's, it's kind of like having um yeah, Vladimir putting on your show. Uh, there will be a lot of people who are like, because of the atrocities that has been committed. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that's kind of like, you know, it, it, I might have to email you and get a little background before <laughs> I go do this. Cause I was actually going to do it in Rwanda. I was wow. just going to go there, Wow. but yeah, I'm like, a, I got to do some research and see if it's safe for it, 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 dudes like me. Well, for you, it would be safe. Uh, for me, not so much. Um, but it, Interesting. It, it's definitely, um, it's it, it's if a dictator was um, knew how to speak English and knew how to get around the, like the American system and was huh. able to also get the government on their on their side so that they they look blameless. Um, that's who he is, and and so he's he's definitely um, he's he's a terrible dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was. That's the real answer because I was like, this guy has got to be polarizing and. I no matter what side you're on, you're the other side killed a bunch of people that you don't know and love. I mean, that's why your mom left, 
right? So that's interesting. I might have to email you and get some actual like firsthand background. Maybe I'll talk to your mom or something before I go do this interview. <laughs> yeah. um, seriously, you know, like, hey, I spoke yeah, to this woman. Yeah. She escaped from Rwanda. Like, what do you think when people had to escape their country? What do you think about that? You know, she just was a woman who was a nurse that had kids. You know, she didn't do anything. I wonder what, how he would answer that. Um, especially if I'm sitting right in front of a a, a generic answer, uh, like, like a a well manicured generic answer. Uh, You know what though? People see through that shit, especially in a podcast, they'll see through it. And that's the, that's, that's why those answers don't work when you, I mean, it's just, they don't work. Like they, they only work if you're giving a speech. They don't work when you're talking with somebody who is like, when people listen, they go, "Mm, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, and that's the funny thing about your about your podcast because the way that you ask questions, it does it does force you guests to think, mm-hmm. but in a way that gives you the the real answer without like all the fluff. Like I remember like all the mobsters that you've had on your show, like they give you that real answer of what their lives was like. And it's not yeah. like glorified, you know, godfather, you know, thing, but it's like the real answers and it's like, huh. I would have never thought about that. So yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I have to go in a minute, but I will say yeah. to, to your point, Sammy, the bull, like I said, what would you say if your son wanted to join the mob, which I thought was an obvious question that none of these other mafia interviewer guys have ever asked him. They're all like, Oh, you killed 19 people. Ah, oh, it's so amazing. I'm like, what would you say? And he said, don't go ahead and join and screw up your whole life. You're going to kill everyone you love. You're going to kill your best friends. You're going to kill people. You, you think of your family, you're going to kill everything. You're going to ruin your whole life, but go ahead and join you know, you dumbass or something like that. That was his answer to that. And I was like, he's talking to himself at age, you know, that's what he's doing right now. And I'm just like, people like, oh man, you were in the mob in the eighties and the seventies. That's cool, bro. Meanwhile, this guy spent 30 years of his life in a supermax. He doesn't think that's cool. So Guys, it's yep. been a pleasure talking with you. This is a fun one. And uh, yeah, I have to get some background on the Rwanda situation if I'm going to go there, uh, you know, maybe next year. But thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate oh. having you, Jordan. See ya.